Anybody ready for some football today? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this guy says the Steelers right here. Can I get a couple of ushers right now? Just come right down. This guy right here in the. Uh, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Saw a lot of orange brown Mayfield jersey over here, some uh, black and gold, a little bit of scarlet and gray from last night. And, uh, and so a lot of fun. Even if you're not an NFL fan, let me just say here's, here's the point of what I'm going to say. You know how big of a difference it makes for a player when they're on the right team, right? Very often, changing a team can change the course of your career. Happened for a guy named Steve Young, the Hall of Fame quarterback who's now an NFL TV analyst. Some of you know Steve Young. Uh, He's mostly known for his play with the San Francisco 49ers, but before that, he played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they were not the Super Bowl Tampa Bay Bucks. They were a team that had 12 straight seasons of 10 losses or more per season. They were terrible. They had a reputation and a tradition they were building, and it was losing. That was their... So they, they draft this guy, Steve Young, and he comes in, and he has a 3-16 and 16 record. Three wins, 16 losses. They're like, this guy is no good. And so they trade him because they drafted in the first, very first pick, they drafted this guy named Vinny Testaverde. Some of you remember that guy's name. Ended up with some Browns history there as well. And they trade Steve Young to a team as to be a backup for this guy named Joe Montana. And Bill Walsh is the coach, and so he plays for the San Francisco 49ers. But Joe Montana gets hurt. Steve Young comes in, and the rest is history. Steve Young ends up being like in the playoffs almost every single year he's on their team. They win the Super Bowl. He has a record for the most touchdown passes ever for a quarterback in one Super Bowl. Anybody know what the record is? Is set by him. I heard five. It's one more than that, six, right? Six touchdown passes in one game. This guy could run the ball. He could pass the ball. Had a Hall of Fame career, and today that's one of the reasons he's on TV. Here's the point. It was transformative for Steve's young career when he changed teams. Sometimes it's not your talent alone. It's not, you can be a very gifted person. You can, but you you need to get on the right team. And when you get on the right team, it can make all the difference in the world. That's not just true athletically. It's true spiritually. That for you and for me, what team we're on and every single one of us, you and I, are on one of two teams. And whatever team we're on shapes not only our identity today and how we see ourselves, it also determines our eternal destination. So what we're gonna do today is look at what are the two teams and what team are you on? And here's the great news. You don't have to stay on the losing team. We're not talking about just sports. We're talking about your eternity, like your life. You don't have to stay in a losing place. You, you, can, be, you can be on a team that really it's, it's your choice. So let's turn to Romans chapter five, Romans five. And if you don't have the paper Bible, the Bible app, or go to the Grace app, Uh, We have a Grace app that was mentioned earlier, and you'll see the sermon notes on that, and the Bible there, lots of other things. We're continuing our series called Identity Matters, looking at the book of Romans. How does the gospel 
change us, shape our identity in a way that transforms our outlook on life. Just want to say really grateful to have all of you who are part of our online community. Some of you are in Strongsville, Seven Hills, Senegal. I heard there's some families in Senegal who are watching in West Africa. Really, really glad to have you uh, with us today. I should mention that our men's ministry pastor, Tom Sefik, was supposed to be speaking today, but they have sickness in their home. So I'm filling in for Tom, who is filling in for me. And, and uh, so I, I love this passage. So I'm actually really grateful that I get to uh, speak today. I had out-of-town leadership meetings and thought it's not going to work, and, and God just was very gracious. And so uh, Tom and Kristen, we hope uh, you'll be on the mend uh, soon. Um, we're going to look at this passage here and just why you and I can have every reason to live with, in this world of upheaval and brokenness, why can we live with confidence and with joy and with hope and exude that to others so that our witness can really, we can, as it says in Titus chapter 2, that in every way that you make the teaching about God our Savior attracted by the way that you work and live. I want us to do that. So let's, before we uh, dig in, let's, let's pray and uh, just talk to the Lord for a moment. Sovereign Lord, uh, we thank you today that whatever is going on in our lives, that we can turn to you, we can focus on you. And Lord, even through the words of those songs that we sang together, that we would say, yes, the world is broken. There is great heartache, Lord, there, but we see and we trust you in the midst of that. We don't only see what's visible, Lord. You've, you've called us to see the invisible realities of your presence and who you are. So, Lord, specifically this week, Sovereign Lord, with an election, we pray for your clear direction. Would you be merciful, Father? Grant us leaders with integrity and wisdom and who uphold the dignity of, of all. Lord, we pray for the Supreme Court as they deliberate on numerous, uh, really, matters of critical importance, especially uh, this one piece of legislation out of Texas about the value of unborn little ones who are known and loved by you. Lord, may these justices have courage and show regard for life, both for the born and the unborn. Lord, we ask uh, for those who have moved to other places, uh, some are watching, uh, engaging with us today online. Some, Lord, have moved to tell of your good news, to show it by the way they live in love in places where your name and your good news are not so well known. So, Lord, we, we pray, would you show your kindness to them, empower them by your spirit, especially for Michelle and Drew Brown, Lord, on this exploratory trip this week. We pray that you would grant them wisdom and that you would be a good shepherd to them. Lord, we pray the same for the 17 individuals who remain uh, hostage, uh, kidnapped in Haiti. God, that you would surround them with your peace. And Lord, you know for each of us what is happening in our lives or for those we love where there's can be a tendency to anxiety or um, just questioning, Lord, maybe confusion. Thank you for being our good shepherd as well. Even today, Jesus, we believe what you say in the Bible, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we just acknowledge you. May we live this week in a way that we stay close to you, we talk with you, we trust you. And Lord, would you let us hear your voice today? 
In your name we pray, amen. So a big picture overview of the book of Romans, you're gonna see five S's on the screen. We've talked about these. First one, that we've all been infected with sin. That's the spiritual diagnosis for all of us. That God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He provided salvation. That's where we are right now. This chapter, middle of chapter three to chapter five. And then you'll see those other three. We're gonna be digging into those uh, in time as well. And Paul in here in Romans chapter five, he sort of builds this crescendo. He's saying, you had this terminal disease from which you could not extricate yourself, but God. God has done something for you that, and he builds to this crescendo and he goes, and you have such great news in your life. And what we're gonna see in the end of Romans chapter five is this, it's all about what team you're on. And the great part is this, that we get to choose our team. So uh, some of you who are newer to Grace might not know that uh, some people call me Rembrandt Schaefer. Other people, no, I'm just teasing, it's terrible. I, I just am gonna write some words on here today. But you have two teams here. Uh, you, have, you have team Adam. That's, that's the team into which we're all born. And we have team Jesus. And these are the two teams that Paul's gonna talk about. He's gonna say every single one of us is on one of these two teams. And uh, so Romans chapter five, let's uh, begin there and look and see what he says. And, and which team you're on there shapes your identity and the direction of your life, not only for today, but for your eternity. So this is really a matter of critical importance. Romans chapter five, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and that one man's name is what? Adam, Team Adam. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people. He's telling us the history. Like, how did death happen in our world? Because all sin, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given through Moses, but sin was not, is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. He's saying it was... It was, uh, they had their conscience, but they didn't have the law at that time. So Team Adam is where every one of us begins. You, me, your kids, we'll just say about my kids. My kids, your neighbor, your boss, that every one of us is guilty of sin. He said this sin and this sin has consequences. He said we inherit our sin from Adam. Um, maybe you've heard the theological term that people talk about, that original sin. Um, I've mentioned the word inherited sin, that because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, when they were like, you can read about in the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter three, they're essentially like, God, um, thanks but no thanks to your leadership. We'll do it our own way. And, and they, they turn their backs on God. And that sin comes and infects them. And, and it drives them away from a relationship with God. So there's tremendous brokenness. You remember how they're forced to leave the garden. That's what sin does. It puts us into exile from, from God. And, uh, and it's something that because we're part of the human race, um, in, that we inherit that, that sinful infection becomes all of ours, and it starts at a young age. I think we intuitively know this. We see it, if, if you're a parent, you're like, I don't know where my child got that. I do not 
fall on my back on the floor if I don't get what I want and pound the floor with my fists. That must be my wife's family background. I don't know, but it's, it's, not, you know, it's not what I do. Or like the mom who's pushing her son through the grocery store. He's three years old, Jimmy. And he stands up in the car and she goes, Jimmy, we don't stand up in the cart. That's dangerous. Jimmy stands up in the cart. She goes, Jimmy, you've got to sit down right now. And Jimmy just keeps on standing. And finally she goes, Jimmy, and this is what parents we shouldn't do, but she goes, if you don't sit down, you are not going to get a treat when we're. And so he finally sits down and he goes, I might be sitting down, but in my heart, I'm standing up. <laughs> like, why do kids do that? Like, why do we act out like, why do adults, right? Some of us, we wouldn't put it quite, but we're like, I will do what I want to do. I don't care. You know why? It's because of inherited sin. We're born in the team Adam. That's just who we are. And our sin has ugly consequences. The second word for the culture of team Adam is found in verse 18. He says this, he says, one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. Second word here is the word condemn, that because of our guilt that we stand condemned. It's just that sense of that we know that, that what we've done, we're like, I can't believe it. I just have my conscience afflicts me. I go, I was so dumb. I can't believe how I hurt that person. And why did I do that? And maybe you, at night you're lying there going, why? What was that? Why? I was... And, and you just, you have this feeling of condemn, the pain that you cause to the people around you, the regrets that you have over what you've done. And just knowing, if you really are honest with yourself, that before a holy God, that because of your sin, that you stand condemned before a holy God. Like if you're to stand before the judge and you are on team Adam, you, God just looks and he goes, you know what, you're, you're guilty. And we'd have to go, yeah, that, that's true about me. And, and that guilt that we have messes with our relationships. It did with Adam and Eve. Remember what happened to Adam and Eve? They, they, they turned their backs and God, and all of a sudden they're embarrassed with each other. They, they can't be vulnerable with one another. They, you know, they put clothes on. There's a sense of shame. And then with God, they hide from God. They try to, I mean, how do, it's a crazy thing. You try to hide from, like, who can hide from God? But they try to do it. And even today, the same thing happens, right? That when you and I, if this is who we are today, if, if we don't get off of Team Adam, that our sin and our sense of being condemned makes us feel distant from God and also causes us to have a lot of challenges in having healthy relationships with other people. If you're like, what's wrong with me? Why, why can't I have, it's, there's a lot of things that can be happening, but sometimes is at the root is that we just have this heart that just always goes the wrong direction. We want to stand up in the shopping cart. I'm going to do it my way. I don't give a rip what other people think. And, and we, we stand condemned. We're, we're guilty of what we've done. And then there's another word here that uh, you can listen to Team Adam. It's found in verse 12. Again, it says this, sin entered the world through one man. And what came through sin? Death. Death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. So we're, we inherit sin, we have original sin, but we also sinned ourselves. He said that in chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. 
And verse 17 repeats this, that by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. So because we're condemned, what that leads to here is that death wins. In fact, it's a word that is mentioned five times in this little section right here, and that death is going to lead to something else. But he mentions it five times. When he talks about death, he's, he's speaking of death on, on two levels. First of all, it, there's death in our relationship with God. A relationship that is alive is, is broken. And, and there's this wedge that's been driven because we've turned our backs on God. And, and so uh, there's spiritual death that if it's left unfixed, we're gonna wind up in an eternity without him. There's also physical death. In Genesis 3, we read about spiritual death. In Genesis 4, we read about how Cain kills Abel and then everyone from that point dies. Before that, there was no death. And, but he says, through sin, we stand condemned. Death entered into the world and and that's what uh, happens. And then because of that, um, we can say this, that we have this sense of fear that looms overhead like, like a cloud, like a storm cloud. You're like, man, I am, my ship is, is sunk. Friends, can I just say this? These are alien to what God created. This was never his intent. God never intended for us to have guilt and to feel condemned and to have death. That, God, that, that is not a part of what he wanted. This happened because humanity turned their backs. That's Paul's whole point here. And because of this, uh, this sin, we're, we're born into this. In fact, David, King David, Israel's greatest king ever, called a man after God's own heart. He says this. You'll see this verse on the screen. It's, he said, surely I was sinful when... At birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so we're born guilty. That's the consistent message. And left on this team, it's misery, guilt, condemnation, death, fear. And if we can't, we're, we're done. Gary Richmond in his book, A View from the Zoo, tells about a 13-foot king cobra that they had at their zoo. And how a king cobra's venom glands contain enough poison to kill 1,000 adults. One snake's venom can kill 1,000 people. So here's the problem. In their zoo, they had this 13-foot cobra who had a scar near his eye, which posed a problem because when he shed his skin, the skin did not release at the point of the scar. It had to be removed by a scalpel. How do you do that? very carefully and very nervously. They all had sweeps, uh, uh, drops of sweat falling from their forehead, except for the snakes, um, everyone else. you know. They, so there's five of them, and Gary Richmond says, uh, we had to get this job done. Like We had to grab this writhing snake, put a, a net over it. I would have just said, maybe it's time for a new snake, but uh, they didn't do that. <laughs> Uh, but Gary's job was to hand the scalpel uh, to the vet and also when he, they got the mouth open to stuff a bunch of paper towels in the snake's mouth so all the, as the snake chewed on, all the venom would just uh, come out. The vet said, make sure you have no cuts on your hand just in case the glove, you know. So as they worked, the one zoologist explained that several full-grown elephants every year die from the tiny bites 
of a king cobra. A person would never survive the bite of a king cobra. That job ought to be like, this is one of the deadliest jobs working in a zoo with a 13-foot cobra that has a scar by its eye. The venom is that potent. You can't survive it. Friends, that's, that's what the venom of sin does. The venom of sin makes it so that we cannot survive. We're guilty, condemned, death, is sure, and therefore we live in a state of fear. Praise the Lord, that's not the final chapter. Amen? That, that's what we are on Team Adam. But we don't have to stay there. We can make this glorious move and, and change teams. We don't have to stay in this place. And what Paul goes on to say, his whole point in the, this book of Romans is to say there's a gospel, there's good news. You don't have to stay here. If you're feeling this, you might go, I don't really like that. I don't like that diagnosis of who I am. That's okay. All I'm saying is this is what the Bible says about you. And if, you're, if, you, if you don't accept this, why is the world so broken? Like what went wrong and what hope do you have? And Paul would say, I wanna give you a reason for the hope that you have. And so he goes on and he talks about the rescue that one person, Jesus, comes and he takes the venom of sin and he swallows it so that you and I can be free. Listen to what Paul says in verse 14. He talks about how Jesus is like Adam. He says, nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. What he's saying is this. He's going, Adam was the first man, but there came a second one. Adam points forward as a pattern to, to Jesus. And so Paul compares Adam to Jesus as these two branches of humankind. You either belong to this team or you belong to this team. And he says, whichever team you belong to, this one's a pattern for this one. It has enormous consequences for your identity and your life. Whichever team you belong to determines your eternal destiny. And so Paul is saying, He's saying, this one was a pattern for this one. Whichever team you're on, it has tremendous impact. So what difference does Christ make in our lives? Let's look at verse 15. And I want to just read these next several verses. And let just sink in for you, what, what has Jesus done that if we're on his team, this is what we get to experience? Here's what he says, verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. 
For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, on the cross, the many will be made righteous. That's just stunning. That might seem like a lot of theological words, but if you read that, friends, this is a game changer for our lives. Let me just go over this. Instead of being guilty of sin, we can be covered by grace. Instead of being condemned, we can be made right. That's the word for uh, just a, a description of being justified, that you're justified. You're, God looks at you and he says, because Jesus has taken all of your guilt, you're justified. It's just as if you'd never sinned. You're, you're made right. You are, uh, we could say, fully forgiven as well, that, that he remembers your sins no more. And because of that, instead of... Um, uh, Death winning, we can say we have life. For my handwriting gets even worse when I'm writing down below. By the time it's at the bottom, you want to be able to, you'll think I'm writing in German. Uh, but made right, it's life forever. And because of that, we have victory. Victory is sure. That's what he says. If you look at your notes, if you're following along in your notes, which on the app or at our uh, homepage of our website, just click the bulletin and right there on the very top, there's just placed a little link that says notes. But, and all of the scriptures here will be there. But it says just, there's a couple bullet points there. You're talking about the, the, how the contrast between these two. And it says this, that while Adam's failure chained us to the reign of death, tragically altering God's good creation. Jesus' perfect sacrifice unleashed a flood of grace and fullness of life for all of humankind. In other words, because Jesus conquered death, uh, so will you. That instead of feeling condemned, that we can be forgiven. Our sins don't count against us. We'll read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. Will you say those two words with me together? No condemnation. Would you look at your neighbor and say, no condemnation. That you and I, because of what Christ has done, we can be justified, may right. Our sins removed from us as far as the east is from the west, we read in Psalm 103. And because of that, that we can have life forever, friends, and there's something else that while Adam's one sin resulted in us being corrupted, ruled over by sin and death, which fills any rational person with a sense of fear. Like, if you're on this team and you don't feel fear, it's just because you don't fully understand your condition. It'd be like having a terminal disease, but you don't know it. Yeah, you don't have fear, but you just don't also, you're ignorant to your condition. Spiritually, if this is the team you're on, you have every reason for fear. The good news, you don't have to stay there. You can move over to team Jesus in faith and say, Jesus, I accept that I was born into this. That's my team right there. I'm guilty. I stand condemned. I can never be right before you, but Jesus, what you did on the cross for me, I accept as your gift to me. And Jesus, because of that, I know that I can be covered with your grace. I can be made right with my Father in heaven. I can have life forever with you 
And you know another thing I just want to say here, just what Paul makes so clear, in the final score, each team's outcome is multiplied. Look, look how Paul ends this chapter in verse 20. He says this, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased, what? All the more, remember those three words, all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, all the more. In other words, however bad this is, this is, I'm gonna write these words here, this is exponentially better. This is the, This over here, you can know that when you're forgiven, you're fully forgiven. When you have life, you're gonna be in a place that's not just you're gonna be alive, you're gonna be in a place that you never dreamed you could be and you never have to leave. It's gonna be this all-inclusive, like beyond our wildest expectations, life forever, and we can just not hope for it or maybe we can know that this is sure when we've put our trust in Jesus. So here's my question for you. Which team are you on? There's no third team. We're born here. And if you're like, I don't think I've ever made any other decision. Like I, I don't, this is where you are. But the good news is that's not where you have to stay. You can make the move and say, Jesus, I wanna receive you into my life. I want to know all that you've provided, that you have offered me a salvation, justification to be made right with my Father in heaven. You can make the move. No one can decide that for you. It's gotta be something on your own. You say, this is what I wanna do. On the tables as you leave today, and those of you online, I'm gonna tell you in a second how you can do this as well, but on the tables you leave, there's these little booklets called Steps to Peace with God. You pick one of them up if you're going like, I'm not really sure. And this little booklet will just explain what I've talked about here. And at the end, there's a prayer that you can just say, Jesus, I want to receive you into my life. I, I do live with some fear. And Lord, I want to live with this sense of confidence and victory. Those of you online, if you just go to our website and type in the word in the search bar, a little magnifying glass, salvation, it'll bring up everything for you, okay? And, and you can do that. If you take this step, it changes your identity. It, it's everything. But I wanna say this, some people make this move but they don't live like this. They still live with fear, they still live with the sense of condemnation. They, when Mary was growing up, there was a family that lived next door and the elderly father lived in the home with this family. His name was Mr. Lee. And Mary said that every day Mr. Lee would get up and he would walk the driveway, the perimeter, and he'd walk the edge of the one driveway and he'd get to the end and he'd do like an about face and he'd, he'd go here and then he'd go up the driveway and she said he would do it like for hours a day, Mr. Lee. And they finally found out that the reason that Mr. Lee would do this, the reason that he would walk like this is that he had been in a, in a concentration camp during World War II and he was locked into this camp and, and in the time where they had free, he would walk the, the fence and, and just to get his exercise and he would do that. And what happened to Mr. Lee is that in his mind, even when he lived next door to Mary, 
He lived as if he were in a prison even though he was free. There's too many followers of Jesus who live the same way. They've been covered by grace. They're no longer condemned. They have life forever to look forward to. But they're living, you know what they're doing? They're walking on the, in the prison as if they're still condemned, still in, and Jesus wants you to know, you're free. That he remembers your sin no more. That you're made right with the Father. You have every reason for joy and confidence because all of this is yours. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. He has set you free. And Jesus says, if the Son has set you free, you are what? Free, free indeed. Friends live free. You go, I think I'm living in the prison a little bit. We're gonna talk more about that in the coming weeks. That's what Romans 6, 7, and 8 are sort of all about. How do you live free today? Can I just say this for starts? Part of it is letting your fact, the facts of what you know to be true, rule over your feelings. Sometimes we feel guilty. We feel like condemned. We feel, we feel fear. We feel a lot of things. But let your feelings be led by the facts, what you know to be true in your life. Memorize a verse from this chapter. Declare some kind of phrase about, Lord, you remember my sins no more. I'm covered by grace, whatever it might be. Live free. And if you haven't changed teams yet, that's your starting place. The invitation is open and he welcomes all of us home no matter how undeserving we feel. What a great savior we have. Let's thank him together. Lord Jesus, you've been so good to us. We just wanna say that we love you for what you've done and for who you are to know that you welcome us home like the prodigal coming home a little bit nervous. Maybe I can be a servant of my dad and you you celebrate the moment we switch teams. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all that you've accomplished. Just wanna honor you today and say that, Lord, we, we believe in you, we trust you, and we want for you to be first in our sight, first in our hearts. And I just pray for new levels of joy and confidence for all who put their trust in you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us at such great cost. We owe our lives to you, and we gladly give our lives to you. In your name we pray, and every grateful person said, amen. amen.